O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The Lord is risen. Alleluia. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The Lord is risen. Alleluia. O come, let us worship him.
as newborn babies, alleluia, desire the sincere milk of the word, alleluia. Sing aloud unto God our strength, make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. And with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. As newborn babies, alleluia, desire the sincere milk of the word. Alleluia. The Old Testament lesson for the second Sunday of Easter is written in the 37th chapter of the book of the prophet Ezekiel, beginning at the first verse. The Lord's hand was on me, and he brought me out in the Lord's spirit, and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and behold, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I answered, Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and tell them, You dry bones, hear the Lord's word. The Lord God says to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you will live. I will lay sinews on you, and will bring up flesh on you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you will live. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, there was an earthquake. Then the bones came together, bone to its bone. I saw, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh came up, and skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the wind, prophesy, son of man, and tell the wind, The Lord God says, Come from the four winds, breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and tell them, The Lord God says, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. Then I will place you in your own land, and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the fifth chapter of the first epistle of St. John, beginning at the fourth verse. Brothers, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, your faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, 
because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three who testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is God's testimony, which he has testified concerning his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. He who doesn't believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. Alleluia. After eight days came Jesus and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the twentieth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were locked where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the middle, and said to them, Peace be to you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples therefore were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus therefore said to them again, Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they have been forgiven them. If you retain anyone's sins, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, wasn't with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, again his disciples were inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being locked, and stood in the middle, and said, Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger, and see my hands. Reach here your hand, and put it into my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Therefore Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia, alleluia. Christ was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Alleluia, he is risen, he is risen indeed, Alleluia. My dear brothers, Easter is not just a one-day feast, nor just a few days, nor just a week. Rather, Easter is a celebration for a week of weeks plus one. That is, we celebrate the resurrection for eight whole weeks until Pentecost. And the reason for our long celebration is that he is risen, and because he is risen, so have you the baptized. You have been risen to life in him, a risen life of which in its newness we walk every day, every hour, every moment. Last week we celebrated the Sunday of the resurrection, and today we celebrate the Sunday of this risen life, which the apostles witnessed and in which we lived. Yet this risen life and the power to live in this newness of the risen life does not come from ourselves, but it comes from the intimate communion and oneness we have with our Savior. But now consider this. As a Christian, you are now enemies of the world and of the Western culture which has turned on us. The attacks are constant, so that now those of the faith are asking questions about our children's education everywhere, so that the temptations of this world against us are constant, where the pleasures of the flesh are not only encouraged by the world, but the world constantly advertises these pleasures. The, it pervades our lives through every fast food place on every corner, on every mobile device and computer in our possession. There's temptations within it. And nearly every ad and social movement push on TV is telling you to do what your flesh wants you to do. Now, you may be a Christian, but that doesn't mean you never get fatigued. The constant attacks of the world from all sides can weary us, so we're afraid to ever bring up our faith in public in the public square. The temptations are so pervasive that they just wait for our weakest moments to give in. And as we shut up our faith inside us and are tempted to slide into every temptation, one thing becomes very obvious. You, yourself, under your own power, can't defeat your enemy. You, yourself, and of yourself cannot overcome the world because the world never needs to rest. So it's all too easy for the world to push you to every limit you have until you break. And knowing that, what hope do we have? Well, that's where St. John comes in in his epistle for today, saying, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, conquers the world. And this is the victory, the conquest, that has conquested the world or overcome it. It is our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You overcome the world by your faith. Now, there is a temptation here of which we need to be aware. Because yes, we do indeed, as St. John says, and as we'll hear about this morning, we conquer the world by our faith. But that does not mean that we conquer the world by creating faith in ourselves, by our own power. Nor do we conquer the world by having faith in our faith, as if we were to draw confidence in the strength of our own faith. No. Because believing either that we can create our own faith, or believing that we can have faith in our own faith, or the strength of our faith, if we believe either of these things, it's like thinking we can get an extension cord to work without plugging it in or by plugging it into itself. 
<laughs> it's nonsense. Our faith works. It conquers the world only when it is plugged in to the source of life and energy that is from on high. That is, we have a faith which gives us life and conquers the world only when that faith believes Jesus is the Son of God. Because it is this confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's the object of that confession, Christ himself, which gives us life and victory over the world in faith. Because if we believe faith is our work, well, that is a dead faith. Because the dead can't produce life in themselves. Or if we believe our faith is the strength of our own faith, that too is a dead faith because we cannot arise by offering ourselves our own helping hand to pick us up out of the grave. Likewise, if our faith confesses only that Jesus is only a mere teacher, that too would be a dead faith. Because if Christ were just a teacher, he'd be nothing more than another lawgiver, telling us to live by a higher law than what Moses gave. If that were the case, we'd brag about having a higher law of God than anyone else, but so what? We'd have no way to fulfill that law. And so it is for any faith that confesses ourselves or that confesses Jesus is a teacher or a mere creature or a different deity from the Father. All of those are dead faiths. None of them can bring us into communion with God himself, can plug us into him who is our life, our power. No, the faith which brings us the risen life and conquers the world is one alone which confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the faith which is handed down to us in the scriptures. This is why St. John and the evangelists wrote the Gospels. So you may receive this faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, from the apostles. And that in believing this, you have victory. You, you, have, you have Jesus conquering over the world and all its attacks and temptations. Because it is in the scriptures where Jesus comes and stands among us and gives and creates in us faith. It's in the scriptures where Jesus stands before you and says, peace to you. And in that peace creates faith in you. So our Lord comes to us through the word. He comes to us and says, peace be to you, and in those words creates faith in us. That's why St. John says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. You see, the word of God is not some abstraction, something that we can only hear and think about but not touch. No, the word of God is how Jesus comes to us, manifesting himself in that word in water and the blood. Through the word, Christ comes to us by water and blood. This is how our Lord comes to us in baptism, because in the waters, our Lord cleanses us from all our sins. And do you see all the graces given to us in baptism in that forgiveness? Again, the grace of baptism is that you are forgiven. And that can be in corporate confession and absolution and worship, or in private confession and absolution, or privately by a Christian brother, or in prayer as you confess your sins to God. Whenever you are forgiven, however you are forgiven, that is Christ in baptism washing your feet, so to speak, renewing the baptismal grace you were given in the waters. And so also in this grace of forgiveness, 
as your sins are washed away. It also means you are washed in the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, where in the water and the word you receive the grace of the Holy Spirit, who brings you into the church, into the living body of Christ, who grafts you into the vine. In other words, as your sins are drowned in the abyss of the waters, you are also risen to life in Christ, even as he is risen. And along with those two graces, being forgiven, being brought into the body of Christ. There is also in the washing of baptism, you having the name of God stamped on your forehead. You have the name now of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that, think about it, when your parents looked at you or you look at your children, what do you see but your face looking back at you? Likewise for your Father in heaven, when he looks at you as the name of God is stamped on your forehead, What that means is that as the Father in heaven looks at you, what he sees looking back at him is the face of his own son, of his own image. These are the graces of baptism. Your sins are constantly forgiven. You arise to newness of life in Christ, being part of the church. You are given the name of God. You have the image of God restored in you. So in baptism, you receive the faith which clings to Christ and receives this victory over the world. Now, how is that possible? Because on the cross, our Lord overcame and conquered the world. Where the world killed our Lord, it found itself defeated. Where the world pierced our Lord's side, out of it came the water and blood of life which cleanses you The water and blood of the Son of God came out of his side, which cleanses you. Where in the water and blood from his side, his death is now your death, and his arising to life is your resurrection to life. So that the resurrected body of Christ, which the apostles witnessed, you're now in that body. You rise with it. So that the wounds of his hands, the marks in his hands, the mark in his side, which the apostles saw and touched, in those wounds, is now where you find your rest. That's baptism. And yet, St. John, in the epistle, is very emphatic about how our Lord comes to us. Again, he says, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. So St. John is saying that our Lord does not come to us just by the water and the Spirit. Again, our Lord does not come to us abstractly. He comes to us concretely. He comes to us in the flesh and blood which we can touch and taste. That is to say, reborn into our Lord's newness of life and baptism. We don't live by baptism alone. Now, just as a baby is born to life, he does not live just by being born. He must be nourished to continue living. And so do we. Consider what our Lord offered on the cross. He offered not his death, but he offered his life, given into death, given in his flesh, poured out in his blood. Because, as we've heard before, there is life in the blood. And the shedding of his blood shows he offered his life up for us. It is the flesh and the blood which had in it our Lord's life and which he offered up. And what he gives to nourish us is his abundant life. Given life in baptism, being always cleansed in baptism, we also need to be nourished by his flesh and blood to continue to live in this newness of life. 
That is why elsewhere in John's gospel, our Lord says, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the world rages against us, we cannot maintain or create our own strength to endure. If we were to think that we can strengthen our own faith, ourselves, or begin to believe the lie that our faith is strong because of ourselves, we would fool ourselves, and that faith would soon become malnourished and die. Because what are the waters of baptism without the word of God? They are nothing. So then, along with baptism, we always need to hear the word and preaching. And what is it to be born again to newness of life if that life is constantly attacked but never nourished and strengthened? The faith which conquers the world can only continue to conquer by that which is food indeed and that which is drink indeed. We who live in the baptized, risen life can only continue to live if we partake of the body and blood of him who has arisen as we receive him in the most intimate of ways at this altar. The faith cannot survive away from the pulpit and the altar in the church. That is why, like the disciples, we are glad when we see the body and blood of our Lord in our midst. That is why we thank God that Jesus breathed on the disciples and sent them throughout the world, creating the office of the keys, the office of the ministry, because it is by this ministry through which the flesh and blood of our Lord comes to us. So that, partaking in his flesh and blood, we may continue to abide in him and him in us. That's why this ministry is given. And St. John ends the epistle this morning saying, And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. The Spirit created and gives us the newness of the risen life in baptism. The Spirit forms this life in the preaching of the Word, and the Spirit nourishes this life in the supper, because that is where the Spirit manifests the flesh and blood of our Lord, to us and in us. This is why in other recent sermons I've told you to demand the gospel more, demand and use confession and absolution, demand and hear the word be preached more, demand to partake of the Lord's Supper, his body and blood, more frequently. Because as the world falls deeper into depravity, as the attacks and persecution intensifies, as the temptations become more pervading and in your face, where do you think you will turn? How do you think you'll endure to keep walking in the risen life? Where do you expect your children to be born anew in this risen life and remain in it until the day they die? And the same for their children and their children. Only by the word, baptism, and the supper. 
by always having our Lord wash your feet in forgiveness and absolution, by frequently and more and more frequently partaking of the supper where you are nourished and strengthened. At your jobs, when you're hungry and tired, do you only work harder and harder until the hunger and fatigue go away? Or do you go eat and rest? Same here. Don't think you can fulfill your own spiritual hunger and find your own spiritual rest. As if you can overcome it yourself when your guilt drags you down and the world batters you black and blue. No. When you are weary, come to the altar of our Lord to eat, drink, to rest. For the Spirit, the water, and the blood are what create the risen life. They are what nourish the risen life. The church is born and lives by the Spirit, the water, and the blood, so that the life of the church is the testimony of the Spirit, the water, and the blood to the world that our Lord lives. Because without the life of Christ, the church and all of us would have no life in us. We'd be like Thomas when he was unbelieving, stubborn in blindness. But that Thomas believed, proved, Christ was alive, and that the church is alive and believes, proves that Christ is alive. Because by his life, we receive it from the Spirit, the water, and the blood. We have faith and the risen life in him. And that's the testimony of the Spirit, the water, and the blood. It's the church. The testimony of those three is the church, which proves Christ is is alive, he is arisen. By the graces we receive in the word and sacraments, may we always leave this altar and bear the fruits of this faith in our risen lives and our conversations. Alleluia, he is risen, he is risen indeed, alleluia. Now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Grant, we beseech you, Almighty God, that we who have celebrated the solemnities of the Lord's resurrection may, by the help of your grace, bring forth the fruits thereof in our life and conversation. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you, so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, 
show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Bless the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.